So uh, <clears throat> I've had more than my 15 minutes of fame. <laughs> and now it's over to you. So um, what uh, you're welcome to aunt, ask uh, any reasonable question. Uh, I, I always say this, and, um, but it must be, they must be the right questions. And uh, essentially related to practice. So no, no, no obscure questions like, um, what would God think about this? Or, 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 what would Jesus, or what would Jesus Christ say? Is moksha the same as Buddhist liberation? I don't know. Um, so, you know, there, there'll be some things I say, I don't know. So, let's give it a try. The, the, there is a microphone here. And uh, so, please put your hand up. And if you wish to, the microphone. Yes. Um, is it working? Yeah. Um, uh, you said... Um, which is quite challenging. You said, I'd, I'll paraphrase you, because I can't remember the exact word, I don't care how much bliss you have, you only develop wisdom. Is the microphone on? Is I don't on? care how much bliss you have, <laughs> you only develop wisdom when you're interacting in the world yes. through, through the senses. Um, and that's very challenging, because um, to get onto a path of meditation feels like that would be, you'd be getting a lot of positive feedback whereas what you get from the world is not a lot of positive feedback some of the time. But do you think that they nurture each other, that, that the, the experience of meditation and stillness um, feeds the... Um, well, helps you also develop wisdom? Yes, of course, you need both. That's the answer in short. <laughs> you, you need both. And so... It doesn't mean that there's nothing happening in those times of stillness. Okay, so one is uh, develop, uh, in meditation, one is, if you're able to, develop appreciation, uh, a deeper appreciation for stillness, but also uh, to use those uh, still moments to make more of such... Uh, qualities of metta, uh, skillful emotional states, uh, well-being for oneself, and, uh, and an evenness of mind, an equanimity to that which normally disturbs us. So uh, in, in stillness, then, we, we still need to direct the mind skillfully uh, not just to attach to st stillness, but, but to also uh, uh, cultivate uh, skillful frames of, of reference. So friendliness, metta, a well-being for oneself and others, because very often, you know, how we relate or how we project, or what we project onto others is, is how we relate to ourselves. If we have um, very high demands, uh, perfectionist attitudes towards ourselves, then you know 
we tend to sort of just see the, just look out there and just see the faults in people and people we meet and relate to. But also we tend to be self-critical. So that's a, just an example of the, the downside of a perfectionist frame of mind where we're wanting things to be perfect. doesn't mean we are perfect. We are forever trying to perfect uh, our environment, ourselves, and what's outside. Uh, it might seem a very <coughs> fine or high ideal to improve and perfect things, but it, it doesn't lead to a very um, joyful, settled state of mind. It's a, <coughs> we're always uh, seeking to change uh, ourselves and situations. We, we're not able to uh, be at peace with ourselves. So there's stillness uh, and also uh, developing equanimity. That, that's something you might be able to do very easily in a, a temple where I just think of situations that normally disturb you, uh, might be uh, just a, become a mental exercise. But the real test is, you know, when you come outside and then uh, you're no longer controlling your environment. It's very often the, uh, the un the unexpected events of life that uh, that either t test our practice or, or throw us completely off balance. So, it, it's, so that's why Ajahn Chah says it's in our ordinary daily living that's the real test for how well our practice is developing. So, uh, but uh, equanimity uh, doesn't mean that we are cold, uh, distant, and um, in, indifferent. Uh, you know, uh, it's something we, we all need to consider. Uh, what, is, what is it to have equanimity? It is one, one of the um, expressions I, I, I like is it, it's that quality which accommodates all the um, the ups and downs, all the unexpected events in one's life, is that which allows you know, life to be unpredictable. It is, you know, very often, if we don't have that quality of equanimity, then we end up resisting and protesting why we can't in control our immediate environment as well as we would wish. So, to reiterate, yes, uh, stillness and activity, you know, uh, manifesting practice as stillness and activity, they, they each have their place. Thank you. So, while you're thinking about the next question, <clears throat> allow me to read... Um, uh, a quote, uh, a, um, just a, a couple of paragraphs that I'd uh, selected before my talk because it uh, highlighted or it laid out so very well like the, 
the place of psychotherapy work and, and meditation. It's not as competing, but when I was talking about in my talk about two levels of uh, reality, you know, there's sort of absolute truth and the te high teachings of letting go and so on, but there's also that need to relate, to, to, to learn skillful ways of relating to other people. And that this psychological and spiritual work address different levels of human existence. So if the domain of spiritual work is emptiness, realizing the unconditioned and experiencing the universal of absolute truth, then the domain of psychological work is form, our individual conditioned ways of, of experiencing ourselves and the world, relative truth. And also spiritual practice, especially mysticism, that, that means um, you know, practices that uh, emphasize uh, the experience of uh, the ineffable, that, that which cannot be defined by words alone, uh, points towards a timeless transhuman reality. Oh, oh, very good words, aren't they? While psychological work addresses the evolving human realm with all its issues of personal meaning and interpersonal relationship. So that was very worthwhile keeping for you. And, uh, yeah, and so it goes on saying, through, through a misunderstanding of, of the, these two aspects, the, the higher, the absolute uh, truth taught in, in Buddhism, and then the uh, failing to be able to relate to the, to the relative, that leads to a, a misunderstanding and confusion. Because if we if we keep making little or nothing of our needs, if we don't um, give attention to knowing what our needs are, then uh, it's very uh, undermining in the long term. Very undermining. So anyway, that's allowed me to catch up on some points that I really wanted to have in my talk. That's it, yes? Martin? <laughs> it's um, often said that a, a soft answer turns away wrath. It's a biblical quote. But I'm not quite sure that this always works. When you've got something like bullying in the workplace, somebody trying to make life as difficult as possible for somebody else, um, and that the, the victim of the bullying is just passive, it often leads to further onslaughts and feeling the general feeling that this is a weak person. Uh, I had an instance like that when I was at work for uh, a long time. There was um, some some elements of anti-Semitism in the in the prison service, and um, one of the people there uh, particularly never missed an opportunity to be as hurtful as possible. 
Um, I came into the into work one morning, and we all gathered together in the office before we went about our work. So there were about a, a half a dozen or ten of us there, ready to get to work. Hospital officers, chief hospital officers, and myself, chief pharmacist. And uh, this chap said, "He's looking miserable today. I wonder why that is." He said, "I know. He's just had his gas bill from the first from the Second World War." And I said, that, I thought about it, and I said, that, that's in rather bad taste, Morris. Um, I said, it's not, a, it's not a funny thing that uh, so many Jews were gassed to death in the, first, in the Second World War. He said, well, he said, I can afford to say that because I'm half Jewish. So I thought another couple of seconds, and I said, um, I said how unfortunate, Morris that you're half Jewish and it wasn't the top half. And this was uh, deliberately hurtful and he took it to heart and he thought, oh, this guy has got weapons, you know, just as I have. And uh, he was quiet from then on and he was a bit shamed in front of his colleagues. So it stopped, but that wasn't a soft answer. That was an equally sharp answer. And I wonder whether this sometimes is what one should do or is worth doing or whether it's really basically a mistake and one should be always submissive and passive. The outcome is very often unpredictable. Uh, we, uh, however well, uh, however clever we are with communication, there's always there's always a risk, isn't there, of uh, failing, uh, and also affecting a result that we least expected. What, uh, however, whatever we communicate, we, we can't uh, we can't dictate the outcome. Uh, well, you know, coming back to people who are, have a tendency to bully, you know, in many situations, it, it's stress itself that brings out the worst in them, just like. Uh, so a better approach might be, well, how, how can we make life, yeah, how can we make the working situation easier for this man so he doesn't have to be coming up with such dreadful language or whatever ways of relating. But surely uh, all work situations have some overseeing management or some person or some um, overseeing uh, body that one can take grievances to. Yeah, sometimes you need to take a more uh, sort of legalistic approach. You, if gentle persuasion or the soft approach, as you call it, doesn't uh, give you, doesn't bring the results that you uh, seek.
that's why I say it's um, it's very it's very powerful to, to to stop and consider oh what what needs of yours are are being frustrated in, in a situation, uh, just to be addressed in a decent human manner. At least you know that that's what's being violated that sense of uh, decency and then uh, you know having having identified what uh, needs are not being fulfilled, uh, something that you require to be comfortable, uh, work, uh, to, to live with it. You know, working situation in, in the long term, you need to be reasonably comfortable. Um, it, it, because if you are suffering um, or verbal abuse or racial discrimination uh, or discrimination of any sort then <clears throat> in the long term that really wears, wears you down and uh, of course there will be many situations where you won't be able to resolve the, uh, the predicament because there are many situations where uh, morals or morality uh, doesn't have a place. So unfortunately, you know, some, sometimes one, one does actually need to, to quit if you're not going to, if it's obvious you're not going to come to a satisfactory uh, resolution. That doesn't necessarily mean that one has failed uh, because you've failed, uh, because you haven't achieved uh, the you know, working conditions, uh, agreeable conditions that you've wanted. But uh, at least you can respect yourself for, for being clear, uh, to be able to put your finger and be clear on and be clear about. Uh, what exactly it is that uh, upsets you, makes you feel uh, unwilling to continue with a situation, be it at work or uh, in relationships. You have to be clear sometimes to say, oh, well, this isn't, there's no satisfactory resolution and have to come to an end. You can't, if you reach an impasse. Otherwise, an unsatisfactory situation in the long term can become quite psychologically uh, harmful.
You've all stayed behind after the talk, so there must be at least one question out there. How important do you think it is to know what's going on in the rest of the world, like listening to the news and know what's going on in the world, or do you think it's enough to help the people that you come across within your own environment? So stepping out, not completely stepping out from the world, but maintaining a wider view of what's going on in the world around. Oh, well, how much time have we got? <laughs> okay, sorry, you wanted another question. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, let's just make sure I've got the got the question right. Uh, something about saying what, what's going on in the world and uh, and what about what's going on in the world. Uh, well, I'm asking because uh, a few years ago I stopped watching television, I stopped listening to the news, and I became more isolated in my own environment to help the people around me and to interact with the people around me. But um, lately I've been questioning, is it right to close your eyes to what's going on in the world, like with war and things? Or is it important to, to know about these things and to engage a bit more with the world? rather than withdraw from the world. I see, I see, I see. Okay, so if I understand your question then, uh, you're, you're suggesting that they might, uh, we're irresponsible if, we might be being irresponsible if uh, we are, say, uh, enjoying you know, the luxury of uh, being able to be here without uh, having to experience a threat of any sort. What are we doing? Basically, what are we doing to make the world a peaceful place? Is that the gist of what you said? Yeah. Yes, okay. I can remember one of the monks being asked a very similar question years ago in a yeah, basically, how can we just how can we allow ourselves to uh, enjoy what we have here? While, while on the other side of the world in Ethiopia and so many famines and uh, people are experiencing so many hardships in the world. Well, I feel the answer to that is uh, we can only be we can only be responsible for uh, the world to this extent. Uh, as far uh, what we do, we can only be responsible for what we do. And even even though we'd like to uh, remedy all the world's conflict or solve the problems of uh, food supply and uh, uh, where address this ridiculous situation where there is uh, where there are food surpluses in some places while there's uh, terrible uh, famines in in others 
uh, it's important to, to recognize that this is uh, the, the nature of the world. It's a result of a, uh, there are always elements that are seeking to uh, profit, uh, benefit from uh, misfortunes of others. Uh, there, there has to be there has to be a, a shortage in parts of the world for there to be excesses in another. That, that's how that, that's the world of money and uh, a simple, simply a matter of vested financial interest. There has to be scarcity for there to be value. And uh, it's um, it's a cruel and uh, uh, harsh uh, reality. Uh, it's also um, it's also an unethical realm. You know, there's a lot of business activities that are uh, not based on on a sense of social justice, and there are many industries, for example, that fail to, that, that appear to be hugely profitable for some while, uh, while accruing great, uh, immense uh, social cost. So for example, uh, the, uh, the nuclear industry, although it's promoted to be um, safe, clean, efficient, providing us energy with what we need, but uh, there are enormous uh, social costs uh, which uh, don't become, because uh, they are hidden, because they don't really become evident until years later. This is, uh, so this is the, the nature of, uh, uh, of the world. Uh, we can can only be responsible for our own conduct, the way we live. I can understand how uh, easy it is to become uh, uh, fall into states of despair, you know, just thinking about how many things are going wrong, and, uh, or how many injustices there are uh, in the world. It's, uh, it's beyond uh, any of us to actually sort that out. It's, our work is if you're interested in spiritual work, you know, the Buddha said um, that it is actually more uh, admirable to, oh no, it, it's, uh, it's giving the simile of a warrior. His, the Buddha said, oh, the, 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 a warrior, he might defeat a million uh, opponents, but um, there, there is only 
There is only one truly uh, worthy person that should be uh, respected and uh, praised, and that is the the, uh, the one who's mastered themselves. Just so in that phrase, the, the Buddha has uh, essentially answered your question. It's not a matter of... Um, it's not... Uh, it's far more difficult to train our own minds to, to develop ourselves uh, through a spiritual practice. It's far more difficult, it's far more uh, rewarding and to master ourselves than to influence a, a million others. So it's, it's self-mastery uh, that we should be uh, more uh, concerned with. So that means uh, understanding one's mind, uh, uh, abandoning all the unskillful tendencies in ourselves and uh, cultivating uh, wholesome qualities. That uh, that's a pursuit that's far more beneficial than uh, sorting out all the social and economic imbalances and injustices that we see out there happening all over the world. Uh, other similar questions is like, like well, how, how come we're so different? Uh, uh, in America they have, uh, when America was first established they had the ideal that um, all men were born equally. Well, of course, we know that's not... Uh, we don't see that, we don't find that, do we? It just doesn't happen. It's uh, something that's very difficult for us to perceive, that the idea that... Uh, If you believe in this constant round of rebirth, we are, we are we're born here and born there to work out our karma and uh, that's why it's uh, that's why it's important to use that to make the most of our the lives that we have to develop ourselves uh, in wholesome ways. Right at the back there. I hope I'm going to hear you. You might have to turn up. Might be able to turn up. Hello there, Arjan. Um, well, that's, that's good. That's good. 
Okay, can you hear me okay? Good. I would like to ask you, in very, very simple terms, with regards to the ethos of karma, if a person in this life is born an innocent and they have a lot of things done to them, a lot of what is termed as bad things or things that have hurt them through no, no fault of their own, is that because they're paying for bad things they've done in a previous life? Or is it in some way they're building up good karma for the next through endurance? If you could explain it as simply as possible, because I'm relatively new to this learning. Thank you. So, so you're particularly concerned about what's happening in America, are you? No. With karma. Karma. With karma. It's, well, essentially, how does it work? In very simple terms. Well, uh, if... Uh, it's just a natural result if we... Is this, is this coming across the way? Is it? Uh, karma, it's just, just a natural result, whether we are spiritual practitioners or not. You know, even, even those who engage in um, unethical sort of business uh, dealings and... Uh, inevitably have to suffer uh, a sense of uh, uh, the result of, of regret. So it's worth considering that you know, the main players of today, how, uh, whatever it is they are motivated by, Uh, they're, they're obviously driven by uh, deluded uh, reasoning and can bring you know whole countries into conflict and to war uh, while at the same time uh, appearing to justify uh, actions and uh, decisions and uh, that's that's how we find ourselves today. Uh, just listen to the news and it, you, you won't find very much to uh, uplift you. Uh, but that's the world, it, it, it's delusion. You won't find, uh, you won't find much uh, satisfaction there. Uh, and of course, we you might well wonder where all this is taking what we call civilization. It's a it's a paradox, isn't it? Because um, uh, 
is also a, a sign of madness when you consider the way we use words like we think we consider the, the Western uh, world has developed at such a rapid so rapidly in all fields of medicine and engineering and uh, we can do so many things and we are doing so many things to the earth well don't forget it's always other people but uh, if, if we wish to collect take collective responsibility we use this short word we if we drill the earth we um, developed uh, nuclear technology and um, uh, we, uh, we have uh, wonderful uh, war machines that we can capable of doing so much just notice how uh, the, 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 the insanity of that's uh, we use such words as if to say, oh, this is of such great uh, benefit, of such great advantage. But of course, what hasn't been developed is the, is the wisdom to use this technology in a, a skillful way. And so that's why we should consider that uh, spiritual practice and the spiritual faculties of man to, to develop that is of more uh, value, is of more urgency. And really the, uh, the power that evolves from modern technology is only truly in the hands of a few and some people even say a few, just a few, mad few who are sort of hell-bent on uh, power. Uh, and that's very real. Uh, and you don't have to go far. Or you won't find it in the, in the, uh, the mainstream media, but uh, you look for independent sources of information and you can find that, well, there are many people well... Uh, uh, who are well advised, uh, who know very well that it's the masses that are uh, manipulated by those in uh, in power, uh, and even though it doesn't necessarily mean politicians who are supposed to represent us, but uh, those unseen fi financial houses and interests. Uh, the people, the one percent. Uh, the famous phrase is the one percent who's dictating to the ninety-nine percent uh, how the world should be. And so that's why you've had so many protests in America and elsewhere, holding up these cards, saying uh, we are the ninety-nine percent. Well, that's what. That's the message of that. Uh, those protests. It says. Uh, that uh, it's the 99%, it's the masses who should be listened to. 
so returning to this uh, question of uh, technology and um, the karmic results, well, uh, how long can a so-called society or civilization note, that's just another paradoxical term, is it, are we civilized? If we don't have the wisdom to handle the technology we have, where will it take us? Will it take us to a utopia or ultimately to, to ruin? It's only a matter of time uh, before we, uh, everyone knows the answer to that. So I'm not attempting, I'm not seeking to create a, a doomsday scenario, but um, just look at the last, say, 200 years of, of uh, development, uh, industrial development. Um, well, uh, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to bring up America just as a. I don't want to persecute America, but uh, I do. I do. I have come across a very nice uh, collection of sayings from the indigenous uh, Indians uh, who were protesting way back in the 1870s or so. How the the white man took over. The took over the land and how uh, the land has changed. And uh, uh, one of the chiefs was saying, you know, how is it that uh, before the white man came? Uh, we, could, uh, we could drink from any river, but now, but now, you know, the, uh, the land is crying out and um, uh, basically Mother Earth is crying out uh, because we're damaging the planet. And so now uh, it's, it's not possible to just drink uh, from any river because they're so polluted uh, and the Earth is so abused. So anyway, uh, I come back to the theme. It's really... it's. Um, it's wisdom uh, that uh, is of greater value for uh, the long-term uh, sustenance uh, of um, societies. Uh, technology, technology will only take us to, uh, uh, well, uh, it's already proved that taking us to uh, ecological damage and uh, eventual ruin. Okay, it's four o'clock. We all need to get back for time, time for tea. <laughs>